Welcome to Harvest Talk, the podcast of Harvest Community Church in Goshen, Indiana. Harvest is a community church with a vision to change the world, and we do that by reaching people and building their lives. And for more information on Harvest Community Church, please check out our website, hccgoshen.org. And my name is Jeremy Gwaltney, I'm the pastor, and it's an honor to spend a little bit of time with you today. And we are halfway through our Legacy Month here at Harvest, celebrating 50 years of what God has done through Zion Chapel and Harvest Community Church, and kind of spend some time reflecting on our history as we look forward to what God wants to do in our future. And so today we are kicking off our second segment of, of an interview uh, or, or interviews that we did. I spent the first half of this series talking with our founding pastor, Vic Hildebrand. Now I want to move into a conversation that I had with the next pastor, Steve Chubb. Steve, as you'll learn today, uh, was not actually here right as uh, Zion Chapel began. He came in uh, within a few months of their uh, of its founding, uh, met Vic, uh, got trained up in the church, and then I think Vic pastored for roughly eight years and then turned the, 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 the church over to Steve Chupp. And uh, Steve then pastored for 36 years uh, before, um, uh, before, uh, uh, before I came onto the scene. And what's interesting is, is we're sitting in a building here and everything about the building and the land and the, and the, and the, the physical location was all under uh, Steve's pastoral ministry, as well as a bunch of things that God did during his tenure here. And so that is what we're, where we're going to be kicking off uh, today in my discussion. Kicking it off with Steve Chubb comes to Zion Chapel, and uh, he's going to talk about that experience and then talk about some of the early growth of the church as the church started to really take uh, roots in our community. And so just again, as a reminder, we were having some technical difficulties. So if you're listening online, the audio should be, or listening, the audio version of the podcast, this should be fine for you. If you're watching somewhere, uh, the video quality either may not be very good, or we might not have video at all, uh, depending on what production uh, does with it. And so, but uh, otherwise, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Steve Chubb. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. And uh, it's just great to have all you here. And we are in our podcast series on legacy, kind of celebrating 50 years here as a church, both Zion Chapel and Harvest Community Church. And today I'm really excited to have Steve Chupp, our second pastor in the history of uh, our our community, uh, here to discuss kind of just a bunch of things. You, 36 years as the pastor, so it covers a lot of history. So, um, so Steve, why don't you just say hi to everybody real quick, and then we'll jump into our conversation. Well, this is going to be an exciting talk because we have a lot of history to cover. We're not going to cover all of it, but uh, there are just some great stories of what God's done through our church and in our lives, and really happy to be able to do this together. That's great. So, so Steve, you weren't actually here when Zion Chapel officially, officially started. So why don't you just kind of tell the story about how you got connected to Vic, how you got connected to Zion Chapel and, and all of that. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, I started hearing about Zion Chapel or the Vicks Bible study as it was then uh, in the late 60s when I was in high school. And I heard about these students that were going to the school uh, from yeah, going to school. They were going to Vicks Bible study. And I was like, what's all this about? We heard it pretty wild. You even heard about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, maybe even speaking in tongues, oh, which no. was like really wild, crazy. Yeah. But so I that's all I heard. And then um after my high school graduation, I immediately went to Germany as an exchange student. During that time, uh, and leading up to that time, my mom and dad were experiencing some 
pretty rough times. Sure. They were having some difficulties. What was happening was um, mom had grown up in a difficult home situation, and some of that pain from her childhood was uh, coming to bear. She was beginning to deal with that. It was a rough time. Mm -hmm. And so I would get letters from home. And then just before I came back home after a year in Germany, I started getting these letters from my mom that were full of hallelujahs and praise the Lord's. And I thought, oh my goodness, she's really gone off the deep end now. (laughs) (laughs) But actually what happened was she went to, she'd been going to this Bible study and God really touched her by the Holy Spirit and began to do an amazing work in her life. So as uh, time went on and as I got back, uh, I couldn't deny what was happening. Sure. And God was really doing something in my mom and dad. So two days after I got back, I met with Vic Hildebrand, leading that Bible study. We went to a restaurant in town, his favorite restaurant, had a great big piece of apple, or strawberry pie, which was his favorite. And actually, he prayed for me to receive the Holy Spirit right there in that parking lot. I was really hungry for God. That began to change my life. Sure. So I immediately began attending, which was by then the church. The church started in April of 71. Okay. And I came in August of 71. Okay. And uh, the ride began. Sure. It was pretty eventful. Yeah, absolutely. And so kind of what happened then? Uh, like what, what for you and because uh, you just started attending and then in 79 became the pastor. So kind of what was going on in the interim? What happened was uh, I went to school. I went out of town to go to school, went to school in Virginia for a year, came back. And, um, but all that time, whenever I would come back from vacations, I'd go to, go to the church become part of it. During high school, I felt like God really had a call in my life to be involved in ministry and didn't really want to become a pastor. I wanted to be a missionary and also I was in pre-med. I wanted to become a doctor. I thought maybe doctor missionary. But as time went on, I really liked what I was seeing in the church. And it was exciting. God really was doing a, a great work in people. I saw some people from high school that I knew that whose lives were really being changed. Yeah. And I thought, wow. Um, I can't believe the way the changes that have happened to that guy. So kept coming, and as Vic and I uh, interacted, and also one of the elders at that time was a guy named Ed Garcia, and mm-hmm. Ed really uh, took an interest in me as well. These two guys began recognizing the calling of my life as well. Sure. So I began traveling with them um, and spending time with, with Vic, especially traveling with uh, Vic. Vic was not, and it was an era, really, but a lot of churches were saying, you know, seminary may not be the best right. way to go. Sure. So one of the guys, young guys in the church challenged Vic and said, hey, if you're not going to encourage seminary, what are you going to have? Yeah. So he started this thing called Operation Timothy that yeah. ran for 10 years. Right. I was in that first Operation Timothy. It was like a 10, 12-week training course. We did some traveling and did some ministry in. And that kind of got me going in that direction, as well as the internship with Vic. Yeah. Wow. So they were developing leaders from the get go. And uh, so now I know, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Ed and Ed Garcia, you know, Peggy's still a member of the congregation, which to me as a a newer pastor is always challenging to recognize that literally people in his living room are still here, which is a joy. And then and then Bob Ted came up through uh, Operation Timothy as well and, and went on to do great things around the world. And so super impactful from the get go. Uh, what was Operation Timothy like? Just kind of give us an, a view of that. 
Operation Timothy, uh, Vic thought that maybe, you know, he had, a, he, had a, he had an opening session where he just welcomed guys to come in and talk about Operation Timothy to start with. He thought maybe four or five guys would show up. Turned out to be 30 people. <laughs> oh, we wow. ended up with 20 guys taking uh, four mornings a week. Wow. Uh, all morning, had to take off your job and uh, get the training in class. And then each of us, then he divided us into three groups and we went on uh, trips together. Yeah. Mostly in the United States, visiting churches, doing that type of thing, gaining ministry experience. Then there was opportunities he gave us uh, for ministry experience outside of that. So it was, it was 12 weeks. It was pretty intense. We That's had me. a lot of Bible training and uh, ministry training. And a lot of guys that were in that first one ended up in ministry. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, taking, we do things a little differently these days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so speaking of doing things a little differently, then you became an elder. Became an elder uh, a few years into after I was started attending here. I was pretty young. There were a whole bunch of young elders at that time. Everybody was young. Yeah. A college age a Bible study. And uh, became an elder. I spent one year in Topeka, Kansas, yep, yep. kind of an internship there. Yep. Uh, Ray Brooks was one of our overseers, and he, um, I, we went there for a year, came back, and then uh, eventually became. Uh, we called it a full-time elder. We didn't believe in assistant pastor because we couldn't find that in the Bible. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I was full-time for a couple of years before I eventually became pastor in 79. But it was really interesting how, how it happened. I was an elder, and we used to have long elders meetings yes. on Saturday mornings. Yeah, God bless you elders now. You don't have to do that. We, we just had uh, our first 65-minute elders meeting a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Well, we would have six-hour elders, <laughs> right. literally six-hour elders meetings. It was grueling. That's Our wives amazing. were like, hey, where are you? Yeah, that's funny. So in one of those elders meetings, this was, we, for the very first time, Vic talked to me about the fact, he told, talked to the group, but he talked to me and he said, I think Steve is going to become the next pastor of the church, right. and I'm going to be released to do traveling and ministry. So I was like, wow. And I had begun sensing this, yeah. that that was what's going to happen. What was really amazing is that was on a Saturday, the very next Sunday, very next day, there was a young guy in our church that actually gave a word from the Lord mm -hmm. that I was going to become the pastor. Mm -hmm. And so there was this amazing That's awesome. convergence of God speaking to me one week, that in weekend, uh, Vic brought it up and then came up in the Sunday morning meeting. Right. And then in 1979, I became the pastor. Uh, Vic was still around. He was still in the church until 85, but uh, doing a lot of traveling, gone about half the time. And then yeah. um, I began leading the church. That's right. Great experience. <clears throat> you know, just uh, for those of you that haven't heard the story, but when I first came up here, uh, you know, I got some advice from my former pastor to read all of the elders minutes as far back as they go and i still I, I remember walking to your office going hey do you have elders minutes going back for as long and you said sure and you pull out this huge stack of handwritten notebooks because uh, it's a pre-computer you know and uh, <laughs> i remember opening up the very first notebook and it was 1976 i believe and uh, you were the secretary, so the notes recorded by, so I, I literally, uh, getting engaged in the history of Zion Chapel and Harvest, spent a lot of time with your handwriting <laughs> um, and, uh, <clears throat> and just being humbled about the, the reality of this was two years before I was born. Yeah, and seeing, pretty and seeing, amazing. Yeah, and seeing what God was doing uh, already in that time. And then, you know, the other thing just to, to set uh, this as we're talking for our audience um, you know, back in the Jesus Movement Charismatic days, one of the unfortunate things that happened 
was that the uh, the, the established churches kind of rejected the, the, what was going on, and not necessarily all the move of God, but rejected the charismatic. Imp- and so you guys were kind of, you were starting from scratch. So it yeah, was exactly. it was very much, do we have an assistant pastor? Do we have theology? Do we have seminary? And, you're, and I remember Vic one time telling me, it was us and the Holy Spirit, and that was it. And uh, and so uh, so you guys, we, we, this was a, we like to call it the wild wild west. Learning from the from the get go with very little input over time. It was uncharted <clears throat> territory, and we had no uncharted territory. We had no idea how uh, we were going to be moving ahead. And but it was an amazing time. Yeah, it was a revival time. People were so interested in spiritual things. Yep. They wanted to study the Bible. They would get together and just spontaneously a, a Bible study would break out in their home. That's Maybe awesome. they're having a meal together. Uh, there was interest in the community right. in Bible study and in spiritual things. I mean, the 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 revival atmosphere was tangible. Yeah. And you'd come into these meetings with such a sense of expectancy. What's God going to do tonight? You know, and there were different things that happened. They were actually literally, you know, we saw miracles take place. Mm-hmm. We saw lives change. Uh, God spoke to us in amazing ways and revealed himself. And I've been thinking in the last couple of years, maybe in relationship to our 50th, but just thinking, I am so grateful I lived through that time. Yeah. I, was able, I lived through it. That's one thing. <laughs> I lived, I survived. But the other thing was, it was just so amazing to see what God had done. Yeah. And there were churches springing up all over the country. Right. Then what happened was, we began relating together to those churches, comparing notes. Different speakers would come through. And we were trying to learn from each other because, okay, how do you do this? Right. Right. And we were the one of the first churches in the region to have scripture songs and yeah. spontaneous singing and things like that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, and of course, um, you know, my connection goes back to those early days because Vic and Jerry Daly, uh, who was kind of the leader of the movement in North Carolina, became friends and connected all in Waco, I think, is kind of yeah. the hub yeah. and uh, and all of that kind of thing. So. All right, so so then you became pastor, and as with all pastoral transitions, it takes a little time to 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 kind of one figure out what you're doing, b or two um, start to grasp a vision that you have for the church, right? And then third, start to figure out how to implement it. And uh, you know, I remember reading in some of the history somewhere in that early 1980s time period, you really started wrestling with the need for a church to kind of expand and reach its community and that kind of thing. So talk through just a little bit about, you know, the early days of your vision and, and, and the things that you wanted, you, you saw the things that came to came about those kind of things. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. And I remember it very distinctly in 1979, when I became the pastor, I was only 27 years old, didn't have a lot of ministry experience. And it was like, I really wanted to lead the church, but I was really glad Vic wasn't very far away. Right, right, right. And to have him in the church during that time was very helpful. I felt like I had a gradual transition. In sure. fact, I, I've even said at times that the way I would describe it is there were, it wasn't until maybe even the early 80s till I really felt like, okay, I'm confident taking this thing and moving it forward. But what happened then is I went to a, we didn't have official training, but I did some other training along the way. Ended up going to a seminar, a week-long seminar out in, in Portland, Oregon. Okay. And while I was there, God began to download to me. That was 1985. And God began to really speak to me about uh, the church and where it needed to go. Uh, may have been 86, somewhere in there. And I ended up saying, wow, I have 
a clear direction from God for the church that I need to own and move the church into. Mm -hmm. And I remember very clearly in the early days, Vic came down and we can talk about this a little bit too about missions. But when Vic came to, to Goshen, he came to go to Goshen College to become a teacher, to become a missionary in right. Africa. Right. So he carried a very strong missions vision, which was fantastic. The church had a missions, foreign missions vision from the very beginning. Yes, it did. So there was a strong sense of meeting together, experiencing God, seeing what God was doing and going to foreign cultures. But uh, somewhere along the line, we missed out on how do we reach our own community. Right. And I remember coming back from that trip and beginning to really challenge the church. You know, the mission field doesn't start when we get on an airplane right. to go somewhere. It right. starts when we walk out the door here into our own community. Yeah. And there were two things that I really challenged the church to do. I said, we need to reach our community and we need to grow our church. Right. And there was a sense at that time, part of the charismatic movement and the whole anti-establishment era made us suspicious of anything that was very large. I'm like, we don't want to get large. And I said, you know what? Uh, if we're healthy, we're going to grow. Right. And we're going to have more people. And that may create a situation where we're a larger church. At right, time. right. We need to get over that. Yeah. Because the focus isn't on getting large, it's reaching people. Yep. So we, the church accepted that very well, and um, people later would thank me for removing us more into a growth phase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I felt like that was a time where I really began to see myself more strongly as the lead pastor, taking the leadership and leading us into a vision. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, we've talked, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but uh, one of the, the wonderful things about our transition was how even though we didn't know each other until that phone call, <laughs> um, that uh, there's so much similarities in our common DNA and our motivation, that kind of stuff. Because even even today, one of our core values here is is health. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I get to that with our new guests who are thinking about becoming members, what I tell them is, listen, healthy things grow. And, yeah. uh, and what we believe is that if you're reaching people in a healthy way and you're building lives in a healthy way, it's simple math because fewer people are leaving your congregation, more people are coming in and then we let God do the rest. And it's just always fascinating to me that back in 1985, 86, that's kind of how you were, you were pressing into this, yeah. this entire yeah. thing. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so, all right, so let's go, go out of that. What are the, some of the things that as that vision started to take hold, uh, we started to see happen here at the, at the congregation? Well, well, it was, it was uh, a lot of fun, actually, to, to see the church grow and people take uh, an interest in what was happening. And so we moved into, the, uh, into this facility where we are right now, um, out on Country Road 34. Uh, we moved into it in 1981. Uh -huh. We always had a vision of, of um, be building the next phase, phase two, which would include a real... Uh, meeting hall or sanctuary, whatever you want to call it. And so we did, we finished that in 91. But in the meantime, we ended up needing more space than we thought. Right. So we redesigned it. And instead of designing it for 400 people, we designed it for 800 to 1,000 people. Right, right. And that was a really smart move. Yes. Uh, yes it was. And, but it, it, it demonstrated where we were and where we were going. Right. And the people really caught the vision for that. Uh, so a lot of growth took place. There were a lot of new people coming in. Uh, we also began to get more um, 
receptive. I think because our church was so worship-oriented and we experienced so much of God in our services, people tended to focus on their experience with God and not always so much on their experience with other people. Right. So people would come, time, come into our church and sometimes they would say, you know, I really like the church, but it's hard to really connect. So we began to work on that. Right. And what uh, I was very impressed with how our congregation picked up that challenge as well. It's like, okay, we can have a good worship experience, but let's relate more to others on Sunday morning and be more welcoming. Right. And we ended up being, as people, new people would come in, they would actually say, this is the most welcoming church we've, we've found. That's awesome. Uh, as we yeah. visited different churches. Yeah. So I was very blessed with how the people have picked up that challenge. And I think that remains to this day that people are so welcoming and don't see new people as a threat. Right. Right. It has an opportunity for their relationships to grow, but also to see God work in the new people coming. <clears throat> yes, in. no, we uh, that was another thing that we just picked right up on when we transitioned and uh, get that get that compliment quite regularly, and I think that's a testament. So, and we are going to cut it off right there as the first segment of the three part interview is complete. I hope that was very very helpful for you and you can can see the ways that that the things that God put into the heart of Vic is being carried out uh, by Steve and hopefully even if you're newer to Harvest uh, you can see how those things are being carried out even today. And so we're going to close it there. Let me just pray for us and we'll wrap it up. So Lord God, we just thank you so much again for this exploration of the things that you built into our foundation. And Lord, we recommit ourselves to continuing to do the mission that you called us to. And so, Lord, we just ask for your blessing by the Holy Spirit on all the things that you're doing in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, listen, thank you so much for listening to Harvest Talk. And as always, we want you to keep reaching people and building lives. We will see you again next week. Take care.